Welcome to the Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to build a flexible, fulfilling and financially rewarding business around your life. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, a business coach, top ranking podcast host, speaker and new mum based in Melbourne, Australia. With a Master of Communications, experience coaching close to 1,000 entrepreneurs through my flagship program, The Modern Marketing Collective, and real-life experience building my own business from the ground up, I'm here to help you turn your ideas into reality and share your passions with the world. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And now, let's get into the show. In this week's episode, you are in for a treat because this is a case study in creating a simple business around your life. I'm joined by Michelle Johns, who is a leadership coach who supports women to become confident to lead a team for the first time and to feel and be seen as a leader in their organization. By providing a mix of coaching, training, and mentoring, Michelle is on a mission to balance up the boardrooms with more feminine energy and get more women into the leadership positions that make the decisions that impact all of us in our daily lives. Michelle has more than 20 years of experience leading corporate teams. She has a background in change management and she brings qualifications in organizational psychology and leadership into her mentoring programs and workshops. I've had the absolute pleasure of working with Michelle in the Modern Marketing Collective and through my retreats to help her really continue to grow her business and make it work for her. And in this episode, we're discussing how Michelle has done that by simplifying her business and what she offers, finding a way to sell that feels really good to her and having strategic focus with what exactly it is that she's working on at any one time. It was an absolute delight to chat with Michelle for this episode, as I always find speaking with her. And I know you're going to adore this episode. So without further ado, let's hear from Michelle Johns. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Emily. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. I've been listening for a while, so I'm really excited to be a guest. Oh, so good to hear. Well, we better get started with a little bit of an introduction to exactly what your business is and what it offers. Give us an overview of what it is that you do. I'm a coach for first-time leaders. I focus on women because I've had that experience myself being a first-time leader in male-dominated industries. So I provide mentoring and coaching and some training for first-time leaders so they can build their skills and also their confidence. Brilliant. What are the different offerings you have in your business, Michelle, if someone was looking to work with you in what different ways? Give us a bit of an overview of the different offerings that you have. So I offer private coaching so that I can tailor it to what they need at the moment. So what their problem is, what they're struggling with. But I also have a group mentoring program that I run with a small group now as like an introductory offer. So they can come along to that, experience my coaching and mentoring and then they can invest in the private coaching if they're interested in that. So that's what I'm offering at the moment. Cool. So group coaching, private coaching. What does the group coaching look like with you? Is that kind of a step-by-step program over a set number of weeks? How does that one work? Yeah, that's four weeks and we have four focus areas for those four weeks. So I provide training for four weeks and we also have group mentoring session and networking with the other women who are just like them. So it's like a way to 
get introduced to what my style is like, but they also get to build their confidence, build their personal brand and get some practical tips for how to communicate with their team and with their leaders. Mm. And what type of people do you find work with you? What type of people are joining that program and, and looking for some help in that way? What I'm finding at the moment is it's people who are just really busy and they don't have a lot of time to invest in a longer term project and they want to get something quickly so that they can feel confident at work. So they'll be either in a role for maybe six months and they're finding that they're not getting the traction they thought they would and then they are looking to get some help. So they're usually at that point where they're in the real need of like what I need now to solve this problem. Excellent. So then you have the private coaching and how does that one work? That works with a 15-minute free call with me to discover what the problem is and then I usually give some tips there so they see what I can bring and then I work with them over how many sessions we need and how we can work together to create their leadership style or build some of their skills. So some practical things like leadership development and also some mindset areas if they want to build their confidence and it's about mindset as well. Yeah. And what do you find, Michelle, with people coming to you across both of those offerings and perhaps it's slightly different with the private coaching as well, but what's their biggest problem? And then once they've worked with you, what are you seeing some of the results that they are having at the end of it? It's often a confidence thing. So they avoid maybe having difficult conversations with their team or they don't know where to start as a new leader. So over time with me, they often, their team motivated. Other times it's they'll be seen more as a leader by their organization because they'll speak more like a leader. They'll feel like a leader, all of those sort of things. Sometimes it's as simple as doing something really practical, like asking for a promotion because maybe they were put into that position without the appropriate pay rise. And just that sort of starts to help them sort of progress as a leader, being able to have those negotiation skills as well. And I know a few people that's kind of happened to, they're like, well, hang on a minute, I've taken on this role that's really above me, but the pay hasn't changed. So this isn't really fair. And it's a matter of, I guess, having that confidence or knowing how to approach those conversations to get what they deserve and to not be taken advantage of and that type of thing. Yeah. And sometimes it comes down to the environment they're in. So a lot of the people that come to me are also in male dominated industries. So it's just sometimes it's those awareness moments. So they'll have an aha about what's happening in the room and why they're not being heard. And then we work together to find different strategies to manage those situations. And I've had people leave coaching with me saying, maybe they're not the loudest person in the room, but they speak up and they're heard now because they'll speak up when it's necessary. And just knowing about the dynamics where they maybe didn't push up against that gender problem in early in their career. It was more equal, if you like, in numbers. And then as you climb up, you're less and less people in the room who look like you, sound like you, and so on. And so that is when they hit up against that. So we all know about it, but we often go, oh, it doesn't happen where I work. doesn't happen to me. But then when you hit up against it, as you climb the ladder, if you like, then you notice the difference. Yeah. And I can see, Michelle, that you would be such a valued mentor and sounding board and someone that 
your clients can have that confidential conversation with and have the support from and the guidance from when they're in the organization and perhaps they're looking around and there's like, well, there's no one really here to mentor me. There's no one that looks like me or sounds like me or has been in this situation before. And so having someone like you that they can turn to and have those discussions with and have that support from and know has their back and is there to help them and have their best interests at heart is just invaluable. I like to call myself like the first time leader cheerleader, although it's a bit of a mouthful, but that's how I see myself. I see myself as that cheerleader because often we look for a mentor in the organization and we get a lot out of it, but sometimes you need someone objective and also someone that you can trust because yeah, it takes a bit to find the right mentor for you. So yeah, it's good to have someone who has been where you've been as well. So I've definitely been there. Yeah. Oh, well, I would love to actually hear about that, Michelle, and hear where your business came from. Why did you get into this work? How did it start? I could say it started a long time ago, but it was more of an unconscious thing. So I used to mentor people like for 20 years, like in my career, always mentoring people and didn't realize that there was a job. Yeah. (laughs) It's often the things that we love to do, isn't it? And then it's like, oh, wow, maybe I could actually turn this into something. Yeah. So my career started off in the corporate world as an accountant. So it was very corporate focused and it was a completely different career. And throughout my career, I found that that wasn't lighting me up. So I was doing a lot of leadership things. So I was mentoring my team or mentoring other people, doing all of that. I don't want to make it too long a story, but I changed careers into a more people-focused role. So I did a lot of, you know, organizational psychology and a lot of things that are focused more in the leadership development area and organizational change and so on, and ended up changing my career. And then I don't even know how it happened. I just said, think I'm going to move into coaching and mentoring people and I want to make it more practical for people and make it training and mentoring and coaching all together, blended together. And when COVID hit three years ago, I just delved into it and started creating this business. And I started with people that I knew and I started online. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a history about it. Yeah, It does. And one of my favorite things to hear is what your business looked like at the start and then the iterations of it over time. Could you give us a little overview? Because I think it's super interesting the way that businesses can evolve and take shape and what we learn. And also for listeners to know as well that what they start out with is most likely not going to be what their business looks like in a year or two years or three years from now. And you have that permission to change as well. It definitely looks a lot different. You're making me laugh because I hate talking about COVID, I guess, but when the whole pandemic came about, I was given an opportunity to have three months off what I was doing at the time and decided this is the time. This is the time to build the business. And I offered everything. And in fact, I built a whole program and then I had every single solution that anybody might ever need. Talk to people what you mean by that because I know what you mean. We've had discussions, but what does that actually look like in the business? So I had like this big leadership program, which was my kind of signature program, which would take people from the start of their journey as a leader all the way to being a resilient leader and being able to do all the things. So that had everything in it. And then I offered one-to-one coaching. I started a membership. What else was I doing? Oh, I was starting all these little courses, like a mini course, like how to get into a leadership role, what to do in your first 90 days, what to do after that. And I just had everything. But I had no audience, I guess, or no one to sell to. And my website was so confusing. It was just over the top. 
if I spoke to someone, I didn't really know what I was going to offer them and I had too many things to offer. So I think it was really hard to really make an impact or have an impact, but it was such a great learning for me. So that's why I say I am the sort of person who goes with the flow and everything. And in this time, I actually did so much work and got this going. And yeah, today it looks nothing like that. And I even had a membership with a small group of people in there, but I didn't have much of an audience to sort of build that for the people that were in the membership as well. And what was the catalyst to change? Because I guess at the time you're like, well, this is what I'm going to do. What was the reason that you have changed the current business model? I think we all know the answer to that is coming along and meeting you because I did pare that back a little over the two years before I joined the Modern Marketing Collective, but... I still sort of kept holding on to it all and leaving it on the website and so on. And so when I heard from other people who were in business and was able to bounce the ideas off other people, then I realized, oh, I can just simplify things and I can leave these things. And I also, you know, had some people saying, put that off. You don't have to never do it again. Just put it off till next year, address it next year and that sort of thing. So yeah, it was just, it was really having other people's input and I was very much doing it on my own, if you like. So, yeah, it was about having other people. Yeah, to have those discussions with and also as well to know that we – because this is something I think we could all struggle with is like we want to do it all and we want to do it all now and understanding perhaps there's not one right way, there's no single way to do things, but there can be kind of a bit of a process that can really help us along the way. I guess, what have you found as a result of simplifying what you offer in your business? You've kind of removed for now some of the different offerings on your website. What else have you done and what have you found has been the result of simplifying? Mainly, I feel so much lighter. I even have this little way of like putting everything to the end of the year and or a particular month and I can look at that later. So I have a little ideas book but I also have like a sauna and I just keep everything in a review folder. That is awesome, Michelle. So it's kind of like, okay, I can come back to this. This is for later. It doesn't have to happen now. I have something similar perhaps in my Trello and it's like pipeline tasks. And it's like, these are things that can, or, you know, I've got different labels, like important right now, <laughs> things that can be considered down the track, ideas for the future. As entrepreneurs, we have so many ideas, but it's having that discernment to know what is our focus what is the most important thing for the business right now? And then taking action on those things and knowing that the other things can wait. Yes, because I have ideas all the time. So, oh, I could do this and I could do that and I could do a t-shirt with the podcast on it and I can do, oh gosh, I have so many things. So I just, yeah, I park them and I look at them at the planning time, like annual planning time now. So yes, three years in, it took me two and a half years to get to that point. And that's okay because I was learning and everything. But now what I do is a strategy day and sometimes I get to do it with other people and then I do it a little bit on my own. And I need to trust myself to stick to the plan now. So I create a plan and I do very detailed for a quarter and I just have a rough plan for the rest of the year and then each quarter I review it and I stick to it because I love planning and strategy so that helps because that's, that's in my zone of genius, if you like. So I enjoy it. And also I was getting that shiny object syndrome where I would see something new, something someone was doing or something I got excited about and I would throw it in and then I would just get really overwhelmed. So yeah, keeping it simple, 
just having the two offers and I have some offers for corporates as well and then just stick to it. And so I think you asked me what the outcome of that is. I'm getting so much more inquiries. I'm getting more conversations happening. I'm really feeling like I'm really helping people. It's in that flow now. And so I feel like if I keep going that way, I can really have an impact and help get more women into those leadership roles, which is the main reason I'm running this business. Exactly. Awesome, Michelle. That's like just well done to you for taking that action as well and figuring it out as you go. No one's ever going to be perfect in business. And I think it only took you two and a half years. That's not a long time. You're like, oh my gosh, it took me two and a half years to kind of reshuffle things around, but it's all learning, isn't it? And the fact that you have learned how to already create some online leveraged offers like a membership, like courses, that's all going to be so helpful if and when you want to introduce that. And is that, I kind of know that may be the plan in the future. Do you want to share what you're Thinking in terms of what the business might look like going forward as well. Like most people, I have a real vision for where I want the business to go in the long term. Um, This year, as I said, I'm focusing on where people are at right now, which they're very busy and they, they want something to help with them right now. I'm hoping that into 2024, I can bring to life and reshape my leadership program, which gives people that, you know, end to end sort of experience. And that's where I want to take my business next year. And again, I'll look at it next year and say, is that the right time? And all of those things. And I'll be less connected with it having to be then, you know, could be a bit further out. So in the meantime, I'm focusing on building, I guess, credibility and visibility and referrals and so on at the moment. That's great, Michelle. And I think that leads really well into what are you actually doing for that? Let's talk about your marketing and what you are doing to build an audience, make connections, create referrals. Talk to us a little bit about an overview of the different marketing things that you do. Yes. So the thing that I've found is really working is, and I started this three years ago, is having a lead magnet. I give away something free that's connected to what my ideal client would find useful. And then I don't stop there. I then invite them into a workshop and sometimes I was inviting them directly to a call with me, just depended what my end product is. So yeah, so I have a lead magnet and then I invite them to meet me so that they can get to know who I am. What I was doing early was leaving it there and then all the people that just downloaded the lead magnet, they didn't have any any other way of like connecting and then eventually I started a newsletter. So now the people that just download the lead magnet, I have a really lovely nurture series of emails that go and they just give value and give a really good customer experience and I'm improving that every day. So that's where I work on my marketing all the time. It's just experiment with different things with that. For those listening, is kind of like a sales funnel. If people have heard of the word sales funnel before or nurture funnel and that type of thing. And Michelle, what Michelle is saying is that people may have a freebie set up on their website. What's yours, by the way, Michelle? What's your lead magnet at the moment? I have five steps to lead a team. So it's called the leadership roadmap. Love a good roadmap. Very sexy. (laughs) So Michelle has this on her website. People can opt in for that. They'll give their email address to Michelle. And then once they're on there, I'm assuming, Michelle, there's a series of some emails perhaps that go out to that person, inviting them to come along to your workshop. 
And that is just perfect because it's a way for them to have already received some value from you to see that you know your stuff. They've read your lead magnet, hopefully, and then they can get to know you through a workshop, whether that's live or recorded. And I believe at the moment you're doing them live, which is excellent. People can come on there, get to meet you, ask questions. What happens after that? Uh, Then I have another nurture, but that's at the moment it's not as automated because then I know a little bit about the person and I try to tailor it to them. And I think that's important as a coach in the area I'm in as I'm building this business because I haven't picked out all the patterns. Once I've had a lot of clients, I'll have more of a pattern and that will help inform that program next year. So when I invite them into the workshop, I always ask two questions. What's your current role and what are your current challenges? So then my nurture after the workshop or if they didn't turn up, I can address or talk to that challenge and really make it feel personal for them. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Yep. That is brilliant. And this type of higher touch way of marketing as well is so effective. And what people that perhaps have 20,000 people registering for a workshop and 10,000 of them attending or whatever that might look like, there's no way that they could then do that. So there's such beauty in this phase of your business where you are really putting in the effort to know your audience, to pick out, okay, what's some patterns here? What are some roles that people seem to be falling into in the organizations? Maybe there's certain industries, I'm not sure. And then what are some of those challenges and starting to look at those patterns? And then when you go ahead to put that program together and create the roadmap within the program and the different modules and process in there, it becomes from a really informed place of actual people versus the hypothetical. Oh, good. I hope that's useful as well <laughs> because I was just been experimenting and I came up with that because I realized people that didn't turn up to the workshop, I now know nothing about them and how can I help them? And on that, now that I've kind of, this is from the Modern Marketing Collective, I've now created a nurture for people going into the workshop so that they'll turn up as well. And so I'm, I increased my turn up rate to 45% now to come to the workshops, which before I probably was just sending them those Calendly messages, not very personalized. So now I send them personalized beforehand as well. And you, I know that in your recent workshop you had, was it 50% show up rate, something like that? It was 45%. 40, yeah. 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 Under 50, but it yeah. was a lot higher than before. Which is brilliant. And those that have run workshops before, especially as you do start getting a larger audience, know that, well, I think that, who knows, industry average, they get thrown around, but some of the numbers thrown around is like 10%, 20% of a live show up rate sometimes. So um, to have 45% is brilliant and a good sign that you're doing things well. Do you want to share a little bit around at the end of the workshop about what happens there? Oh, yes. So I have been experimenting what to do at the end of a workshop. And sometimes in the past, I would offer my program and sometimes I would offer private coaching so I've experimented but recently I stopped doing that I was doing it in the email afterwards to let them know this is how you can work with me so I am building that into the end of the workshop again and yeah you gave me some lovely tips on how to sort of say it in a way that really resonates with me so just to throw in there it's really important if you are getting advice from people that you translate that advice or that mentoring that you get so that it really suits you. But when you're lucky enough to find a mentor where what comes out of their mouth fits you 
which is what happens when I go to your coaching calls because it just resonates with me so much. So I basically now wrote down and have words to say at the end of my workshop that I feel comfortable offering to support and help people with their next steps. Because some people, this workshop is going to be enough and sometimes someone will need more and maybe they want to get started today and work with me. So I will feel really comfortable offering it in that manner. And a lot of coaches probably feel this as well, is that you are there, you know, you see yourself as serving others and coaching others, but this is a business. So you also need to put your offer out there and sell, I guess. And I don't see it as selling anymore. I see it as as offering something that someone really needs. And why wouldn't I do that? Mm. Oh, Michelle, so good. And um, I'll say it was kind of funny. I was joking with Michelle on a coaching call because I know it's not just Michelle, by the way, this is like most of us, we've been through this, but I was saying, you know, they're coming to your workshop and it's about helping them with their confidence. And then at the end of the workshop, you're like, okay, good luck. Goodbye. That's it. <laughs> but if they're coming to the workshop because they, they want to get some help with their leadership confidence, and then you have something to offer them, but you don't offer it, like, that's a bit rude. That's not in service to them. So to say, look, for those of you that would love to get some help with this, I can help you with this. And I'm just going to take you through what that looks like. And we can get started if you'd like to get started. And it doesn't have to be anything sleazy or pushy or really forceful or, or anything like that. But it's actually a matter of letting people know that you can help them. Yeah, that's exactly it. And yeah, the way you say it is definitely fits on me. So I feel really comfortable to do that in the next workshop that's coming up in March. So Michelle, circling back to any other marketing that you're doing that you're finding is getting some traction or that's worked well for you, what else is there? For me, it's this lead magnet and I do that through Facebook and Instagram ads. And I just have that as ongoing and then I've got a pipeline coming through and you'll get the odd person who wants to have a call with you, wants to go to the workshop and all of that. The other one I find that works is people don't want to do it, but it's the referrals and just letting everyone know that you are close to, that you're already connected with what you do and who you help. And if you're really clear with what you do and who you help, then you'll get referrals. I did start to do my coaching. I did start by offering free sessions just to build my skills in the coaching part of the role, I guess. And people would send their friends over or they'd get a whole bunch of people at their workplace that would wanted a coach. So I did that. And then some of those people became ongoing clients and then they tell other people. So referrals work for me as well. Referrals worked for the corporate area that I go into as well. I've been asked to go and do leadership programs in workplaces and so on. And that's been through referrals. And once you've had those referrals, then you have that experience that organization you can put on your website and all of that. So referrals and having a lead magnet are the two things for me while I build my credibility in other ways and visibility in other ways as well. And what are you doing for that, Michelle? Yeah, I think it's really important to build your credibility, especially in these spaces. It's a very crowded marketplace. So how do you get yourself seen as the expert or as someone, you know, for me, it's like if someone thought first time leader, they think, Braveheart coach, they think me. That's what I think. It's funny, Michelle, because for you, it's crowded. Probably because for me, my industry is more crowded because I kind of come across the people that are doing similar to you. But in your industry, I'm like, oh, but it's you. You're the person. That's very true. And that's what you need to remember is that it might seem crowded, but you're the only person who does it your way or you're the only person who is you and so on, which 
asked me three years ago and I would have been making sure I wasn't looking at all the other leadership coaches because I'm not as experienced as them or as good as they are. And now I realize they're great and I can be too. But what I've done is things like media. So I'll write articles and then send them off and done some speeches. I often turn up and do some workshops for people and so on. So the articles are good because then you can like have that on your on your website and have it linking out to an article that you've written and you can also show that you're credible because you've been published. So I've been doing that. All righty. So we chatted about the marketing. I'd love to hear and you've been really generous in sharing the learnings that you've had. Are there any other challenges you wanted to touch on? What I've found with me, because you know, with the ideas and everything else, another thing around that is just having so much content that you want to give to people. And so I found challenges in over giving and then it really overwhelming people. So the challenge for me is making that content really relevant and simple for people to consume. So I found my early lead magnets may have been a bit overwhelming. Maybe people downloaded them, but then I never heard from them again or something. So when you're in your business, you think everyone already knows a lot, but it's really simplifying your content. The other challenges I guess I overcome was time and so on. So I was doing consulting and advisory work and keeping on doing that and trying to build your business. I found that challenging until I really put boundaries around it and said, I really need to have a couple of days to work on my business, so I'm going to limit that. Now, I know we can't all do that, but whatever you can, time blocking some time and so on to, yeah, to spend the quality time on your business as well, because it's not just time, it's energy. You spend all this time in the other work that you're doing and you you run out of energy for what you want to be working on. So they were challenges for me. I could talk about that a lot. And also, I think I said to you before about selling as well. (laughs) But I think that's something that everyone pretty much goes through in terms of, okay, well, I might have this job, but I really want to have a business. There's something here that I know I can offer. And just how do I go about doing that? How do I go about making that transition? And it's going to be personal and unique for everyone, depending on their situation, whether it is, okay, I'll scale back at my job so that I can put more time into the business. Is it, okay, that's not going to work. I really have to build up the business while I'm full time. For you, Michelle, because I think it's so true what you said. It's not just having the time, it's then having the energy. So you might get home at the end of the day and it's all very well to say, okay, then work on your business, but there might be life and other things to attend to. And then you're exhausted. And it's so important as well to have the thinking time on your business, not just the doing time, but the thinking where you are coming up with some of those ideas for lead magnets or your messaging and all that type of thing. When you started your business, how did you make that happen there? And then I guess as you've grown your business and scaled back a little bit, some of the other work, could you, I'd love you just to even share even more how you made that work for you. Well, I guess it worked, but it didn't work if you like. So early on, I just worked really long hours. And as you said, it wasn't always about doing. So I was working early mornings after work on the weekends and there were a lot of things that didn't get done or sorry, I didn't see people or anything, but I did fit in exercise and so on. I think it was about having a routine because at the time I wanted this business so much that I enjoyed doing it. And because I was already working those hours in business or the advisory work, consulting work, because I was already doing that, 
I was used to doing that at the same time, if you like. It was adding on to it and I wanted to do that. So it was almost like my thing to do outside of work. It was almost like my hobby on, on steroids or something because I was doing it all the time and I loved doing it. But you can't sustain that forever. I did get a bit tired and, you know, I didn't see my friends as much or whatever it was, although we were in COVID at the time, so it wasn't such a big deal. So I think it might have been different if it wasn't 2020 and 2021, to be fair. I'm really good at other things like meditating or things that you can do between tasks so that you can reset your focus. So some of those things helped me, though I did kind of do a lot. I wouldn't advise in terms of, remember I said, every single thing I just added. And I think that's one thing. If if you could just focus on just a couple of things, you'd probably do be able to fit it in more. So if you really focus on one or two offers, make a marketing plan that works for you. If it's just be consistent with it. If it's only once a fortnight, just once a fortnight. If it's three posts a week instead of five, that sort of thing. So they were some of the things that I rationalized. I also got some help. So because I was working full-time, I offloaded some work to a VA for some of the things like posting and so on. Like If you're earning the money in, then you can potentially spend some money as well. So good. Thank you so much for sharing that, Michelle. Yeah, a lot of people go through that. And I just think it's so valuable to hear different ways that people have made it work. I also want to go back to or go to, I know for you, as with so many of us, your lifestyle and what you do outside of work is really, really important. What is it that you enjoy and how do you make that work around your business? Before 2020, I would travel overseas two, three, maybe four times a year, plus other trips. So yeah, I enjoy traveling. This was one of the reasons I wanted to build an online business so that I could travel and work anywhere I want to. The things outside of work are usually around moving around, not being in the one place. So I designed it so that I could pick up and do it anywhere. So you can do these Zoom calls that you have for coaching. You can do that anywhere. You can run group coaching programs anywhere. You can do one-to-one clients anywhere. So I made that happen. I also realized that I've always not really enjoyed the nine-to-five sort of time frames. So I really wanted to look at how I want to design my life. And I like to do certain things in the morning. I like to maybe take a long lunch or an afternoon off or whatever it is. So for me, building a business around the way my energy works or flows in and out, and I like variety as well. So I don't necessarily want to do the same things all the time. So being able to build that in and being able to schedule things between what's important to me as well. I find that health and well-being is really important to me. So I want to be able to do those things and be comfortable that I don't have to do them the early morning gym session I can do it at lunchtime or something or 11 o'clock or something so that's what I've tried to create my business around as well and I think it's really important when you do that although I don't like to be set to particular time frames I think it is important then to sort of use some sort of scheduling even if you only do it once a week And just look at the next week and go, hey, what does the next week look like? And sort of schedule that way. Have your plan for the month, but then schedule each week. I find that works for me because it gives me enough variety and change in my life as well. So I find now my business is my passion. So things outside of work are more health and well-being, travel, friends, family, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can relate. I can relate. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's like, oh, if I've got a bit of time, I'd love to just work on my business. <laughs> oh. So last couple of questions, Michelle, I'd love to hear what are some of your favorite moments or your proudest moments or biggest wins that you've had in your business that have been favorites of yours so far? Firstly, it's always the when I'm coaching someone and someone has an aha moment, I just feel really energized and lit up by that. And I feel like I'm having an impact. And I, it's not just because I know that's about me. It's like, oh, that gives me energy. But it's also about seeing that person and then what they do with that aha moment. And, and I hear later, they changed jobs, left this environment and got a pay rise or somebody got a promotion or all of the outcomes that I see, that's the biggest win for me. And I love seeing groups of women come together and create connections or they keep up their connections afterwards and they that's someone in their community now that they can talk to about things and confide in and so on. And then personally for me, I keep hesitating to say the word COVID, so I'm really sorry for oh, <laughs> the totally pandemic. Fine. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. gosh, yeah. I try not to talk about it anymore, do we? But when that did happen, I got a podcast up and running, which I never would have done. I was wondering if you were going to mention the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I would have used that term like, oh, I sound awful or this or that. But at that time, it was my way of sort of connecting and getting a message out there. And I just learned all the tech and all of the things and just did it. So I'm really kind of proud of myself for doing that and jumping in and doing it and really putting myself out there because the first one you do, you always sound and you can always get better and better and better as you go. And you think, oh gosh, I hope no one listens to that first one. But there's some gems in it. Exactly. And people say, oh, Emily, I'm starting right at the beginning of your podcast. I'm like, oh God, please don't. Please don't. I did. I did that. Oh, you did. When I heard you on a podcast, I went back, yeah, listened from the start. So yeah, don't worry. It was awesome. So yeah, getting that podcast up and running was a big win. Also, I guess, I think I mentioned earlier already getting invited to some corporations and getting to do their programs. That was just a huge win for me personally as well. And getting that first article published when I went out and um, sort of celebrated after that one. So they're probably my biggest ones so far. Absolutely. And there'll be so many more to come. You're just getting started really. Because what has it been, like three years or so? Yeah, it was April 2020 that I started the business, I was already mentoring people and doing some one-to-one and doing all my certifications and so on before that. But that's when I decided, yep, this is the business started. Yep. What would you say to other people about some of your biggest learnings from the Modern Marketing Collective? I guess the big thing for me was going to that retreat and just being, like I said before, just being around people who are also in this position and learning from them on top of obviously learning from yourself, the marketing side, but from other peers learning that I wasn't alone. (laughs) You leave with so much confidence because you're like, everyone goes through these different things and also getting that confirmation that if you present your ideas that others relate to it or understand what you're talking about and so on. So I would say the biggest learnings from the Modern Marketing Collective for me have been simplifying everything, which is, I know we talked about it at the start of this, but that's where that came from, was simplifying it down, not confusing people, having really good messaging now, and that's enabling me to give a better experience to people as they come through all of my channels and so on. And also, I think we talked about the visibility piece as well. So being more comfortable, being visible. And yeah, that'd be the biggest things for me. All the content's awesome. 
that's where the bit about content and how to market things has been really helpful to me because I was listening to lots of different advice and having to interpret, but I find all the content in the Modern Marketing Collective really feels good on me. I don't know if it's just me that feels that way or if or everyone, I don't know, it's a really good community. So I think we all just want to build a really good business and we don't want to be salesy and we just want to offer to people. I've worked with someone at the minute to help on some of my sales copy, give a bit of a refresh. And I was trying to explain my ideal clients and they really are like you, Michelle. And you just have such a good offer. You just genuinely want to help people. You're pretty modest, very modest. You're not showy. And I don't know, when it comes to the marketing and the sales, you really care about your audience and putting good quality content out there and building genuine relationships. And I think that it makes it such a pleasure to work with people like you and see the amazing work that you're doing. And it's so rewarding for me. And I could chat with you all day. And I said to you, oh, probably half an hour. And we've been going an hour. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Final question. Where can everyone go to find and follow you and connect with you? Well, I'll give you Instagram because I have a lot of content there. So it helps people to get started with, you know, what kind of content I offer. So that's at Coach. If you're looking to connect more on LinkedIn, I've had to create my handle as Michelle Johns Coach. There's so many Michelle Johns out there. So I have make it easy for you to find me. So it's Michelle Johns Coach on LinkedIn. And I always encourage people to get more connections on LinkedIn when you're in the corporate world. So please feel free to connect with me there. Excellent. And we'll put the direct links in the show notes. So if you scroll under the episode, you'll find them so you can just easily click and connect with Michelle. So thank you so much, Michelle. I've loved chatting with you and I look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on.